Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Good morning. I want to welcome you to part two of the new series, New Rules for Resolution. Um, hey, can we just encourage the uh, worship team this morning and Carlos? Do you do a great job? And if you did not know, Pastor Sean and Chelsea have had their firstborn child, uh, Lydia Christabel Loomis. Pastor Sean's here today. He's got a couple of dark rings under his eyes, but that's okay. It's worth it. Uh, well, I'm so excited that you guys are here today. If you're visiting uh, Generation Church, it is our hope that you find a place to connect here, that you find a family. Hey, I want to encourage you as after service, hang around a little bit. Have a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, I know if you're new here, kind of it feels easier just to walk out the back door and sprint for the parking lot. But uh, I encourage you, if you hang around for a few minutes, I believe that you'll meet some people that uh, you'll really connect with. And so we just want to welcome you to Generation Church. Hey, can we welcome all those joining us by video this morning? So glad you guys have tuned in. I want to invite you to be a part of a service live and in person right here at Generation Church. Last week, I started this new series called The New Rules of Resolution. And, you know, if we're being honest, all of us have struggles in life to implement positive change. And it seems like it just has become part of our culture that at the, the beginning of every year, we endeavor to change. We endeavor to, to put things into practice or play that, that we have wanted to change in our lives for a long time. And the other part of that story that most of us would agree to is that those changes typically don't make it to March. You know, we, we try to get these things going, but after a month or so, it's like, wow, what happened to all of this? My New Year's resolution, well, I'll do it next year. And, um, and so I feel like the Lord gave us this series to help us not just to, to try to change, but to actually make changes that stick, to make changes that are consistent, that, that don't just drop off the radar after a month or two in 2014. And so last week, we looked at, at what, uh, what causes a change to really happen. What, what is the, the foundation of a change? And we saw from Scripture that it's really love. That when you love something, you're willing to change for it. That as you fall in love with God, the deeper you fall in love with him, the more willing you are to change. The more you fall in love with God's people, the more willing you are to change and to minister and meet the needs of people. And so love is the foundation of change. But I also wanted to give you some practical tips this weekend, some things that you can use on a practical everyday basis to help your, your, your changes stick. So we saw last week that love is the motivator from which the change that we desire in our lives, it springs up out of that. But when we begin to mix that love as a motivator with practical biblical tips, it sets us up for a success in our lives. You know, you can have all the love in the world, but if you don't have some practical steps to implement, then you're never going to get where you're supposed to be. Scripture says this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, My little children, let us not love in word or in speech only, but let us love in deed and in truth, in, in our actions. So there's got to be something that, that mixes with what's going on in our heart. It mixes with what goes on in our actions. Those two things working together synergistically produces a powerful movement in your life. That this thing in, inside of you grows, this love, and then that love is birthed out into some actions. Jesus was motivated by love when he went to the cross for us. It was his love for us that caused him to give his life. But how many of you guys know he had some practical steps that he had to walk through in order to get there? 
I mean, he had to present himself. He had to be arrested. He had to, to carry the cross. He, he had to do all of the things practically in order to allow the love in his heart to motivate him and manifest in him what was going to become the salvation of the entire world. So if Jesus had to put some practical steps into place, so do we. While our positive change is motivated by love, our practical steps become the vehicle of that change. In the, the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I marvel, Paul was writing to the early church, he says, I marvel that you turned away from him so quickly to another gospel. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, wow, you know, the, the, it's a tendency in life for us to, to hear the good news of God that, that we can change, that, that we can put positive things into play in our lives and we can be consistent with it. And it's so easy that we, we can move from the, the good message of the gospel to another gospel in our own lives. Let me say it this way. We can wake up in January and say, I'm going to go to the gym every single day, 6 a.m., and it's so easy to move away from what we wanted to start out doing. And then by March, we're just paying a gym membership. Nobody's there. Crickets. See, it happens in our natural lives. It also happens in our spiritual life that, that we hear the goodness of God or we hear some truth or we, we get some glimmer of hope that we can change and we can become a, a closer image of Christ. And, and something happens inside of us. Time passes by. The, the weight and pressure of change weighs on us. And before you know, we've switched to, to some other kind of gospel. And that's exactly what the people in the early church were doing too. They heard that Jesus paid the price for everything, that every change that they needed in life, everything that, that they needed, needed internally and externally for life and for godliness that Jesus paid the price. But somewhere along the way, that new knowledge began to transition. And instead of letting God be God and allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to empower their lives, they began to try to do things on their own. They switched from the true gospel to a fake gospel. And as we're trying to change and produce things that are positive in our lives, we too have to be careful that we don't migrate from the truth that Jesus paid the price for you to be exactly who God created you to be and not migrate to this place of, ah, I'm just going to try to do my best with it. See, love motivates us to change. Our practical steps become the vehicle. But we have to remember that the empowerment comes from him. And he empowers us to do everything that he created us to do. New rules of resolution. Jesus has already done the work. We just have to learn how to rest in that empowerment and just receive it. Love motivates our change, if you're following along in your fill-ins. Love motivates our change, but it's God that empowers our change. God empowers it. He's the one that makes it possible. <laughs> Uh, Melissa and I, we, we love to take trips. We love to travel. How many of you guys like to travel? Uh, we, we just love to. And, and when we travel, we love to hike. We like to go to the national parks, and we like to hike. And uh, we wear ourselves out. And uh, we hike the tallest peak. We, we hiked up to the tundra line, 12,000 feet. I mean, we just hike everywhere we can go. And, um, and as I was thinking about this message and preparing this, I realized that that journey of hiking from the valley to the top of the mountain is a lot like the journey from a place where you are now to the place that you need to change into. There's so many things along that hike that, 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 that coincide with the internal struggles that happen as we're trying to produce positive change inside of us. 
few years ago, Melissa and I, we, we were in Yosemite National Park in California, and we hiked up to some of the peaks there. And, and as I started to think about that and, and, and walk through that process, I, I realized that there, there's an illustration there. That the same things that we had to do to prepare ourselves to push through the pain and to summit those places in Yosemite National Park, it's the same set of criteria that we do personally to reach this place called change in our own hearts. You got to get to this place where when you begin to scale this mountain, you begin to hike, you begin to go on this journey to this place called change, you have to to get to this place where you, you look at it and you say, can I even get there? You know, is there a path? Can I make it through this mountain? Am I going to get to a place where I can't cut across? Am I able to get there? And then as you're starting to prepare and, and get everything together, and I'm, I'm kind of a nerd about this. Like when we go hiking, I pack everything. I have like a knife. I have, um, you know, a couple of flint things so we can start a fire in case, you know, I watched too many of those shows growing up where the plane crashes and then there's like three kids. They're <laughs> stranded out in the wilderness and, and they have to eat, you know, each other. And, and, <laughs> and then the, and inevitably somebody is, is like trapped by their leg in some of the wreckage and the fuel's dripping down for like three days. You guys ever watch these shows? It messed me up as a child. And so when we go hiking, I, I start to really count the cost. And I think, well, you know, what if we get up there and we get off path? We get off course. What if we have to stay the night? So Melissa's like, let's just go. And I'm like, wait, you need another pair of socks. Put them in the thing. And we're like, you know, putting camel water in the camel back and, and all those kind of things. And, and the same thing has to happen in life for us that as we're, we're getting ready to engage in this journey to this place called change, you have to count the cost. Do I have all of the resources that I need in order to get there? And then you get to this place where you start to climb and, man, your legs begin to burn. Your your energy level starts to deplete. And and you get to this place where you're like, man, should we go on or should we not go on? And I remember as we're climbing up in Yosemite, you know, the altitude is high. The oxygen is low. And and you get to this place where you're like, oh, man, I can see the peak. I'm not sure if I have enough in me to go the whole way. One time we were hiking in Colorado, what was supposed to be a three and a half mile hike. We started too early and it was a seven and a half mile hike up to 12,500 feet. And so we didn't know until we reached the first three and a half mile mark and we're not there yet. I'm thinking, do we continue on? And in and, and change, the same thing happens. Like you get to this place where your spiritual muscles begin to burn and, and you're trying to produce some type of lasting positive change in your life. But then it begins to hurt a little bit. You have to choose, like, am I going to continue to summit this? Or am I just going to continue to live the way I've always lived? Am I going to hang out here and put up camp in this same place? Or am I going to summit this issue in my life? Hebrews talks about that we have little sins and weights that easily beset us. I believe when you unpack that verse, what it's really saying is that every single one of us have at least one thing. Every single one of us have at least one little sin or little weight that easily besets us. And if we're being completely honest tonight or today, most of us know exactly what that one thing is. Some of us have a couple things, but at least we all have one thing that we need to work on. 
And what ends up happening, if we're just being completely honest and vulnerable today, is is we know that one thing that we need to get rid of. We know that one thing that we would love to change in us. Maybe you're just a mean, old, nasty person, or or maybe you have lusts that you just can't get over, or whatever it is. And, And what we do is we take that one thing and we hide it. We press it down. We act like it doesn't exist. Because the reality is we've bought into the other gospel that Jesus didn't pay the price for it, that the power to overcome it is not there. We, we've bought into the same other gospel that they did in the early church, that I'm the one that has to fix it. And because we don't feel like we can fix it, we push it down. We make New Year's resolution after New Year's resolution. And you know, there's some new rules to resolution. You can be free from those things. That one thing that has plagued you your entire life that that you are ashamed of, you can be free of it. You can be free of it today. As we climbed up the mountain in Yosemite, you know, there's a lot of turns and twists and changes in the topography. And as you go on this journey in life, the same thing. There are twists and turns and change. You, You have to have something that keeps you on course. Something that helps you stay true to the path that that you don't get to this place where you veer off of what God has for you. So today I have for you five empowerments of change. Five empowerments of change. And these come from the true gospel that Jesus paid the price that you can overcome anything in your life that has plagued you. Five empowerments of change. If you're following along with with your feelings. Number one. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we actually have a route and that we can even get there. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we can get there, that you can accomplish the goal, that you can make it to this place, through this journey, to this destination of personal lasting change. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, if you'll turn there with me. Ephesians 1 and 13, it says, In whom you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, I love this. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. He is the guarantee that when you set out for personal change to accomplish being more Christ-like, that the Holy Spirit was sent to guarantee that you can make it, that you can actually get there. I love how it reads. It says that he is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, what does that phrase mean? The redemption of the purchased possession. You are the purchased possession. Jesus bought you by his blood. And he redeemed you until the day you make it into heaven. Now, what happens in life is a lot of times we think, well, the real change that I'm going to get is not going to happen until I get to heaven. How many guys know you don't need to change when you get into heaven? You're already changed. You're there. You don't need the Holy Spirit to help you get rid of your habits in heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to be the guarantee to help you now. So until the redemption or the fulfillment of the purchased possession, until you get to heaven, he is guaranteed that you have the victory today. Guaranteed that you can get there. That one thing that we've pushed down in our lives, that we've just kind of resolved ourselves to that... mm, I don't know that I can ever fix that. 
He is the guarantee that you can fix that. You know what I think is funny is we make New Year's resolutions as people. And in that word resolution is the word resolve. Like I resolve to do something. But the reality is for so many of us, we have resolved on the other side of that fence. We have just resolved that these issues internally I can't get rid of. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that you can. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by him are called the sons and the daughters of God. Being led by the Holy Spirit, he will lead you through that journey of, of how to get those positive changes in your heart implemented in your everyday life. Number two, counting the cost has uncovered that you are empowered for change. That you are empowered for change. You know, as I pack up my bag and I put my flint in there and my knife and, and you know, seven apples and three pair of underwear and all the stuff that I'm going to need for the journey in case I get lost, you know, uh, all of those kind of things. You know, as I count the cost for my trip, I count the cost also for my own personal change. And I think sometimes it's in the counting of the cost. Like, am I willing to, to resource myself effectively? Am I willing to do what it takes to get resources into me to help me change in the way that I need to change? Am I willing to be at every weekend service? Am I willing to engage in life groups? Am I willing to be a part of the family of God so that I am resourced in case I veer off track? Am I willing to have somebody with me or am I, you know, I'm going to come like once a month or something like that? See, we have to learn how to count the cost. And, and I believe this, so much of what we're trying to change inside of us, the positive changes that we're trying to implement and keep, if we just stay consistent with God and consistent with the body, those changes change on their own. You know, sometimes we're, we're looking for this miracle tram. You know, you get on the tramway, you ride up to the top of the mountain instead of having to climb. You know, we're looking for God to bring down, you know, fire from heaven and burn our ill things out of our hearts. But the reality is God wants to work it through a process through us. Are we willing to walk that process? Are we just looking to show up for some type of ride to the top? got to count the cost. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, it says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If we unpack that, that means that as you're trying to get positive change to stick in your life, that his divine power has already given you all things. In the original Greek, all things means all things. All things doesn't mean everything except that one thing that we've been talking about. It doesn't mean that one thing that I'm afraid to, to try. You know, sometimes we have a fear of failure. Sometimes we have a fear of success. Sometimes our pain is comfortable to us, too. I don't know where you are in that today. But God's divine power, catch this with me, his divine power, the power of God, the presence of God, 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that created the universe, the same power that holds it all together, not a portion of it, not a sliver of it, not a fraction of it, the very same divine power that is God has been given to us so that all things that pertain to life and godliness have been taken care of. Life and godliness is this. It's the, the life is the natural side of life, meaning that the natural things, just the everyday, normal, mundane things, that you have been empowered to overcome those. Life and godliness. Godliness is the supernatural side of life. So everything that you need for the natural side of life and the supernatural side of life has been given to you. You've been empowered. You have been packed full. You are ready to go. Every resource that you need is inside of you. God has given it to you. Number three, your decisions for diligence are the practical staircase of change. Your decisions for diligence are the practical staircase of change. You know, as we started to climb those mountains and our muscles begin to burn and our, our breathing begins to get heavy because the oxygen is low and, and, and you get to this place where you really have to make a mental choice to push through. You have to, to, to get yourself to the place where you say, self, I'm going to go and I'm not going to stop. So much of that physical exercise is all here. It's less about how you really are, but you start to tell yourself, oh, I'm not in good shape. I'm not going to do this, blah, 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 blah. The same thing happens in our spiritual life. When your spiritual muscles begin to burn and, and you're beginning to get to this place of real change, you begin to tell yourself, well, I don't know enough of the Bible to actually push through this. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm close enough to God to actually do I don't know if I can be like those people on the front row who lift their hands and jump up and down. I, I, I don't know if I can make it to this place. We start to lie to ourselves to say, I don't know if I can do this. But it's your decisions for diligence. It's, it's your decisions to continue to put one foot in front of the other day after day when you don't feel like it. You know the best time to pray? When you don't want to. The best time to open the Bible and read it is when you don't want to. The best time to come to church is when you're fighting with your spouse. I'm just saying, because you get in the car and you know how it is. The devil, you and your family right there in the car all together. And you're turning around slapping the kids. Come on. And the tendency is just to veer off course, bypass Maplewood, and go to IHOP. I mean... That's just the way it rolls, right? <laughs> the best time to come to church is when you don't want to come to church. Because you are in that place where your trainers, your staff, your spiritual trainers, the leaders in this church, you're in that place where you need their help. You, you need them to, to cheer you on when the muscles begin to burn, when you feel like you can't make it, when you feel like the oxygen is sucked out of the room. You need to be in this environment so you can have somebody push you along and help you. You know, it's not... It's not the first eight reps that builds your muscles. It's the last two. It's the last two. It's, it's the one where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to live through this. <laughs> Anybody can do this for eight reps. Oh, I'm tired. You do the eight reps in order to get yourself ready for the growth that the last two produce. You got to get to that place where you push through. You got to make it burn a little bit. 
It's where your true success starts to come from. It's where you really start to gain ground. 2 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. You should already be there. I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, but also for this very reason, giving diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue should be translated love. Add to your faith love. And to your love, add knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And so I'm already burning. Are you burning a little bit? Just self-control. I'm thinking about the fast. I'm like, man, my spiritual muscles are, I'm like already exhausted. Add to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly love, and to that kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Add these things for these things are yours. They're yours and they abound and you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even unto blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Have you forgotten that Jesus paid the price for your success? Have you forgotten that Jesus paid the price for your victory? Have you forgotten that Jesus paid the price that you can live free of sin and indwelling issues and, and iniquity in your heart? Have you forgotten that you can live above that? Number 10, verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow. I mean, that's a message in and of itself. That you will never stumble in life. I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to help you get to the place where your feet are sure. When we were in Yosemite, there was a young woman who actually stumbled and fell off of El Capitan to her death. So we didn't climb El Capitan, just to let you know. We climbed everything else. But how, how often is it in our lives, especially our spiritual lives, that we stumble? And so often we fall to our demise. Make one little misstep. Hang out with the wrong group of friends. Engage in the wrong activity. And, and all of a sudden, something flips in your heart. You know how it is. You don't want to come to church and we don't see anybody. Feel like you've gone too far. You know, it's hard to come worship the Lord after you've yelled at your wife, isn't it? See, as we put these diligent steps into play in our lives, it gets us to a place where we never stumble. Number four, being equipped with every perfect gift is the fuel that powers your engine of change. Being equipped with every perfect gift is the fuel that powers your change. James chapter 1 and verse 17, it says that every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You are equipped with everything that you need. God gives you everything that you need. All of the fuel, all of the empowerment to make it to the top. To summit that issue in your life and to conquer it. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of life. Let me say it to you this way. Sometimes our mentality is like this. We, we feel like we run into to issues, things that we need to grow through. And we feel like we do not have the empowerment to get there. Am I the only one that ever feels that way? Like I just don't know if I have the tools to get that. 
But here's what God does. And, and sometimes we, we think that God is looking at us saying, come on, you idiot. What's wrong with you? Just get it together, dude. And, and we think to some degree that, that God's expecting us to do things that, I don't know, we really aren't equipped to do. And to some degree, I think for some of us, it even gets to the place where we even feel like God withholds from us what we need. The tools. And we get into this kind of legalistic lifestyle that says, well, God's not, he's not blessing me or giving me everything that I need because I got to get this stuff done on my own. We get into this performance-based mentality. But here's the reality of what God does, and this is what James says, that every good and perfect gift comes down, doesn't get withheld. It comes down from the Father of lights. So God is in heaven watching each and every one of your lives. And he's looking at you and he's saying, Carlos, I'm glad you started to tackle your one issue. And God looks at that and says, let me give Carlos the perfect gift. The perfect gift. Let me give Carlos the perfect empowerment to overcome the issue. Let me give each of you the perfect gift. It means that God is looking to supply you, to equip you with exactly what you need to make lasting change in your life. He's not withholding it. You don't have to go find it or search for it. You just have to be willing to engage. You just have to be willing to stand up one day and say, I am going to overcome this if it kills me. I'm going to overcome this issue in my life. And I love the last part of that. It says that these gifts come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, meaning he never stops supplying exactly what you need the moment that you need it. When your muscles burn, you feel like your oxygen is depleted, and you're not sure you can move forward, he looks at you and says, let me give you exactly what you need for the time that you need it. Number five, heavenly wisdom is the course compass of change. You know, as we were hiking all of these different trails around Yosemite and all the places that we go, there are a lot of opportunities to veer off course. And in your spiritual life, there are opportunities to veer off course. As you're trying to produce change that matters, that lasts, the things that you want to get rid of, the things that you want to establish, as you're trying to get those things uh, in your life rooted and grounded in everyday part of who you are, there are opportunities to veer. You got to have something that keeps you on course, something that helps you to run true to the path that is before you. And the thing that keeps your compass straight, that keeps you tracking with God, is the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of heaven. I love this, James chapter 3, verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's reasonable. It's full of mercy and good fruits. And God's wisdom to you is unwavering, and it's without hypocrisy. Let me put this together for you. Today, you can start a journey, a place called change. I encourage you to identify the thing that either you've tried to push down or the thing that's plagued you your entire life, the little sin or weight 
that easily besets you. The reason why it easily besets you is because it was made just for you. The devil made it just for you and and tried to implement it into your life so it easily besets you. Today, I encourage you to enter the journey. You know that you're guaranteed the victory. You know that that as you count the cost and all the resources that you need to get there, God has given you. You know that those steps of diligence, if you'll continue to push through, even when it burns and hurts a little bit, and it doesn't burn forever, it doesn't hurt forever, we get to that other side. And that as you're trying to climb those mountains of life, God is giving you every gift that you need. The right gift, the perfect gift. And while you're walking out your course, God's wisdom guides you. You can make it. You can change and you can make changes that last. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it is Hebrews 4 and 12, a two-edged sword. It is sharp and powerful, God. It's able to cut asunder the thoughts and intents of our heart. Lord, your word becomes a mirror to us. We can look upon it and we can see our true reflection. We can see the things that we need to grow and change so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. If you're here this morning and you say to me, Pastor Ben, I, I really, I, there are some things I do want to change. And if I'm being honest, I've, I've struggled to make those lasting changes. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up? Yeah. A lot of changes. It's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. Nobody's looking around. Put your hands down. I am living proof that this works. My wife is living proof that this works. If you could have only known me prior to pastoring this church, if you could have known me as I was growing up, if you could have seen the environment that my wife grew up in, you could see the change that God has worked in us. Deep-seated things. I'll be vulnerable. Deep-seated things in me that I thought I could never get rid of. That I thought I would just have to live with. That God gave me the victory over. And he'll do the same thing for you. Life is not a project. It is a process. You didn't get where you are overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. But if you'll start the climb, God will help you summit. Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand this morning. I pray for the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. I pray for the family of Generation Church that we come together in even greater ways and we undergird each other, we help each other, we lift each other up 
Father, I pray that when it starts to burn, when, when it feels like we can't go any further, when we start to feel disconnected, God, that we would press through the pressure of that pain because we know that the top is there. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for starting the path for so many of us today. A path of change that lasts in Jesus' name. Secondly, you're here today and the biggest change of your life you've never stepped into yet. The biggest change that you will ever make is to receive Jesus as your Lord. Now, maybe you've known church. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe not. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe you heard us on social media and somebody invited you and you're not even sure why you're here today. But you're here today because God has drawn you. You're here today by divine appointment. All of the things that I've talked about in personal change, you can never accomplish them until you have first a spiritual change. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your best friend, maybe you've known religion, but you don't know him as your best friend, I want to give you the opportunity to experience that first change. Give your life to God for real and walk with him. If God's tugging on your heart this morning, you're not sure that you have a real relationship with him, slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's head is bowed their eyes are closed thank you sir who else this morning you need the first biggest change thank you sir the greatest change is to say Jesus I want to know you I want to know you Some of you right now are feeling the pain of the burn. Some of you right now are on the verge of pressing through to the other side. Some of you right now are at a crossroads in your life. The top of that mountain is right in front of you. Are you going to press forward to the top? Or are you going to set up camp right where you are? need a real relationship with Jesus. One more time, lift your hands. Thank you, ma'am. So proud of you. Who else this morning is going to push through the pain of spiritual growth? You're going to take a step this morning that's going to change your life and is going to change your eternity. Last time as I look across the auditorium, any last people I want to pray with you this morning. Scripture says that if you believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that you can confess that with your mouth, that you will be born again, that, that God will come and live inside of you, that the biggest change, the spiritual change that Jesus died to produce will happen. And so I want to take a moment. I want to pray with you. I want to help you say with words what's happening on the inside of your heart. If you were too embarrassed to raise your hand, but God's tugging on your heart, I encourage you, you can still pray. You can still say these words and you can still ask Jesus to, love, to come and live inside of you. So let's pray this together. Say it nice and loud. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross for my sin. 
You paid the price so that I could have victory, so that I could overcome. And I ask you, Jesus, to come live in my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my friend. And set me on the right course for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's welcome our brothers and sisters into the kingdom. I'm so proud of you.